Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Frankavilla Show. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Frankavilla, board-certified family physician and diplomate of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. I've been helping patients lose weight to treat and prevent medical problems for the last 10 years, and I'm taking what I've learned from them to you. In this podcast, you will learn the science behind why you struggle with your weight and what to do about it, tips for common challenges, work to fight bias about what a healthy weight really is, and improve your relationship with food and your body. Please remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. This podcast is meant to be informational in nature only, not medical advice. Please seek out care from your physician for your specific needs. Okay, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Today, we are talking about protein. I feel like I'm on Sesame Street. Today's the letter A, but we're going to talk about protein today. I have said before, I don't feel like I have talked enough about nutrition on this podcast. And it's because when I work with patients, I like to give really customized advice. And I don't want to make any particular food seem like a good food or a bad food. But we need to do a deeper dive into food because it's a really important part of health, weight loss. And today we're going to talk about protein. We're going to talk about what protein is, where you can get it, how much you need, and I am going to talk to you a little bit about how to pick a protein bar or shake. So join in on this episode of Protein. Okay, so starting off, what is protein? There are three macronutrients that we need a mixture of in order to live a healthy life, though some would argue we don't need one of them, which is carbohydrates, but most of us eat those. So the three macronutrients are carbohydrates or carbs, fats, and protein. And these all have individual building blocks that make them what they are. So in the case of carbohydrates are made up of sugar molecules of different types. In the case of fat, they are made up of lipid or fat molecules of different types. And in the case of protein, which we're talking about today, protein is made up of building blocks called amino acids. There are 20 different amino acids and we need all of them, but our body can actually make some of them. But nine of those amino acids it can't. Those nine amino acids that we cannot make ourselves are called essential amino acids, and we have to get them from food because we can't make them. So it's important that we get all of those essential amino acids, or we can have significant medical problems. It's pretty easy to get that mixture um, of those different types of amino acids. Animal-based foods like meat, eggs, dairy have all the amino acids, but Plant-based foods rarely have every amino acid, all 20 of them, in one place. So there are a few special foods that do have all of the amino acids that you need in them in the plant-based world. And those very special foods are soy, quinoa, and amaranth, which is a grain most of us don't eat on a regular basis. And that's why quinoa got so popular because it has all the essential amino acids. So for people who are completely plant-based, don't eat animal products at all, quinoa is a special grain that allows them to get all the amino acids on. Man, we got to 
deep dive here going pretty quickly. But essentially, protein is made of these building blocks called amino acids, and we need a mixture of them. And if you are plant-based, no need to fear. It is really easy to get a mixture of all the amino acids you need by eating a mixture of protein sources. But where is protein found? Protein is found in meat, any sort of animal product like steak, any sort of beef, chicken, any other poultry, pork, eggs, dairy, and in plant-based foods like beans, lentils, legumes, and grains. So protein is found all over the place. And again, if you're plant-based, you just want to make sure you're getting a mixture of different types of beans, lentils, legumes, and grains. And as long as you're getting a mixture on a regular basis, you're going to get all the amino acids that you need. But we want to talk about where to get these and how to get enough and why it's important. So the U.S. government recommends that people get at least 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram that they weigh a day. So for an average-sized adult male, that's 56 grams. And for an average-sized adult female, that's only 46 grams. But these are just the minimum goal. This is the bare minimum so that you are healthy. When it comes to weight loss, most experts in the field recommend increasing that protein amount to at least one gram per kilogram of weight per day. But some people will recommend 1.5 grams per kilogram of weight or even up to two for people who are really aggressive on the protein intake. That's starting to be a lot of math. And so what I tend to do in my clinic is give really nice, easy round numbers because I don't want my patients counting every single gram of protein they eat for the rest of their life. That would be a strategy to maintain your weight and lose weight and support your health. But for most people, logging every single thing they eat for the rest of their life is not very realistic. So for my smaller women, maybe women who are 5'2 and below, I will recommend 70 grams of protein a day. For my taller men, my really taller than 6'2 sort of men, I might have them shoot for 120 grams of protein a day. But for most people, I give a pretty even number of 100 grams of protein a day as a number to shoot for. I am fine with you having more than that, but that's the minimum I'll give for a lot of my patients is 100 grams of protein a day. Another way that you can see how much protein you're eating is the percentage of your calories. And so you might shoot for, say, at least 30% of your calories coming from protein. And this is why logging can be really helpful. So if you have not logged what you've eaten in a while, then logging is a way that you can find out how much protein you're eating. But again, I find most of my patients are not willing or able to log for the rest of their life. And that is totally fine. So why is protein important? We've discussed it's essential. We need it as building blocks for our body. We use it to make hundreds and thousands of different types of proteins in our body. But why is it important to you when you're trying to work on weight and health? Number one, protein is the building block for our muscles. So we've had a couple episodes recently where we talk about the importance of muscle mass and keeping that lean mass, which is our muscles, as we age and for fitness. And we need protein to be able to grow and build our muscles. And so one thing that can happen when people are taking a medication to lose weight, when they're doing a strict diet to lose weight, when they've had metabolic and bariatric surgery to lose weight, is that if they don't get enough protein, they're not building muscle anymore, and they can actually start losing muscle and sometimes lose too much muscle, which is not supporting their health or their metabolism anymore. So we always want to make sure that we're eating enough protein to build our muscle. 
And that's another way to check in on if you're getting enough protein besides logging everything you eat is if you have access to a way to measure your muscle mass through, say, bioelectrical impedance, then you can see if you're building muscle, losing muscle, or just maintaining muscle. And if you're losing muscle, that's probably a sign that in addition to resistance training, to strength training, that you should be eating more protein, regardless of how much you are eating. Other reasons that eating protein is important is that protein is probably the best food for satiety, which is that feeling of being full and done. And so protein will help you feel full and satisfied, and it will keep you feeling full and satisfied longer. For those people who have insulin resistance, which the majority of the patients I see who I'm helping with weight have some degree of insulin resistance, when you eat carbohydrates, your blood sugar goes up, your insulin goes up, and then that drops, and that makes you really hungry. And so when you eat more protein and fat instead of carbohydrates, you have more stable blood sugar, and so you have less of those ups and downs of your blood sugar that can make you feel really hungry. So eating protein regular throughout the day can stop those sort of bonks, or if you've ever told someone, I feel hypoglycemic, I need to eat, I feel like my blood sugar's low, making sure you're getting enough protein in consistently throughout the day can keep your blood sugar more stable so that you have less of that happening. Fat also helps with that too. So anything that's replacing carbohydrates, especially simple carbohydrates. And then you may remember that we've talked in previous episodes about how insulin resistance, which many patients who struggle with their weight have, makes it a lot easier to store fat and a lot harder to burn fat. When you eat more carbohydrates, that just increases insulin and increases that insulin resistance. And so replacing some of the carbohydrates in your diet with more protein can also help with that insulin resistance process. Another thing that protein is great for is that it does something called the increased thermic effect of food, meaning it is harder for our body to break down and use protein than it is to for carbohydrates, say rice. And so we actually burn more calories when we eat protein than we eat a different type of food. So we've talked on this podcast before too about how not all calories are equal. We had a recent episode about processed food and ultra-processed food and how that is something that our body can get a lot more of the calories out. Protein is the opposite side of that, where protein is harder for our body to digest. It takes more effort for it to digest. And so we actually burn a little more calories and are less efficient with that, which is ultimately a good thing if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. So protein is important for a lot of reasons. It is a building block for many of our body's essential functions. It is essential for building and maintaining muscle. It is important to make sure that we feel satisfied and full, and then it can help stabilize blood sugars. And then it has that bonus thermic effect of food. So lots of reasons protein is important. So where does protein come from in the diet? A lot of times in clinic, I will ask my patients, I kind of quiz them, like, where do you get protein? Where do you get fat? Where do you get carbohydrates? And most of my patients can identify that meat has protein in it. But a lot of times people really struggle to identify anywhere else that they're getting protein from. And I get it. Protein is really tricky. One of the tricky things about protein is that there's very few things that are pure protein. There's a lot of foods out there that are, say, mostly carbohydrate. We think of our grains, our rice, our corn, our oats. 
those are mostly carbohydrate. They have a tiny bit of protein and usually have basically no fat with them. But when it comes to protein, there's very few sources of just pure protein. Really lean meat like white chicken or turkey or lean fish can be mostly protein with a little bit of fat. But most other things are going to come with either some fat or some carbohydrates. So most of these things are not just by themselves. They come in combinations with other foods. In our clinic, we have this cool diagram, and I'm going to see if I can pull it up for people who are watching this on YouTube. But essentially, what we do with this is we look at where the different types of protein are coming from and how they overlap with other things. Let me pull this up here. Okay, so this is an example of where different protein sources are coming from. So when we think about things that are mostly protein, things like egg whites, uh, lean fish, lean seafoods like crab and shellfish, shrimp, and then plant-based sources like satian and nutritional yeast. And then of course, protein powder, if you use that for anything. But then when we think about our foods in the way they come mostly in nature, a whole egg is going to have both fat and protein. The yellow part or the yolk of the egg has fat. And then we think about our fish that have some fat on them, like salmon, that's going to have protein with some fat. A lot of our dairy, like cottage cheese, Greek yogurt is going to have both protein and fat. And same thing with tofu. And then we have things like nuts, seeds, soybeans, nut butters, whole milk, hummus, Greek yogurt, pizza. Those are pretty balanced food. They have some protein, some fat, and some carbohydrates. Then we have foods like our beans, our lentils, our quinoa, our chickpeas, chickpea pasta, which I'm a huge fan of, low-fat yogurts and low-fat dairy products, and then most protein bars and shakes. And those tend to be more of a combination of protein and carbohydrates. And then we have some foods that are just carbohydrates and fats or mostly fat and carbohydrates. But you'll see the majority of foods that we eat are either protein with carbohydrate or protein with fat. There's not that many sources of pure protein. And so the challenge that can happen if you're trying to increase protein in your diet is that you increase fat or carbohydrates along with it. So we want to replace some of the foods we're currently eating with these higher protein foods, as opposed to just adding them, because then we might end up with a lot of extra calories, which is not the goal for most of us when it comes to health and weight. So for most people who eat meat, you're meat, your poultry, your seafood is going to be a pretty important source of protein. Dairy, especially Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, and whey protein powder are another great source. But on the plant-based side, our beans, our legumes, our lentils are great sources. I just remind my patients that those also have carbohydrates in them. And so when you're eating those, you may not want to add a lot of additional carbohydrates. So you might not want to have beans and rice. You might have just the beans because the beans also have carbohydrates in them. And so instead of adding something to the meal, now we're just replacing maybe, you know, a bunch of rice with some beans and maybe we add some vegetables instead to bulk up that meal. So important concept that as we're adding protein in our diet, we have to be careful to make sure sure that we are not just adding a lot more carbs or fat. Nuts are another one, and nuts are one of my favorite foods. I could eat way too much of them. Looking at the peanut butter jar from my house, a lot of times people will think peanut butter and they think protein, and peanut butter does have protein in it. In fact, this protein that I'm looking at for my peanut butter here is eight grams, so that's getting us well on our way towards our 100 
but it also has seven grams of carbohydrates. So almost an equal amount of protein and carbs. And then it has 15 grams of fat per serving. So double the amount of calories are coming from fat. So the peanut butter is actually mostly fat, about half fat, about a quarter carbohydrates and about a quarter protein. So although you are getting protein from this peanut butter, you're getting a lot of other things. And that's even a, a peanut butter that doesn't have any sugar added to it. So something to keep in mind that, again, when we're trying to increase protein, a lot of times we just increase total calories. So we want to be mindful that we're not just adding peanut butter to something, but we're actually replacing maybe crackers and peanut butter with now peanut butter and carrots or something that has a lot less total carbohydrates in it. So one way that you can increase protein is by paying attention to snacks. I find that a lot of my patients are able to add protein to their meals in the morning. Maybe they are doing eggs or a Greek yogurt or a cottage cheese, or maybe they're doing a breakfast meat. And so lots of ways to get protein in the morning. For lunch, people often easily eat a tuna pack or chicken salad or a sandwich or a salad with some leftover meat from dinner. So lots of ways that people will get their protein in there. And then dinner time, most people do a meat, a vegetable, and maybe a small amount of carbohydrates. So pretty easy to, with our typical American meals, get protein in throughout the day. But snacks are where a lot of my patients struggle, and that can be a great opportunity to boost your protein and stabilize your blood sugar and get all those other benefits we talked about with protein. So high-protein snacks, let's talk about those. So we talked about nuts and nut butters, but remember, those have fat and carbohydrates too, so they're not pure protein, and that's fine. We just have to keep that in mind with our big picture of the balance of foods that we are trying to get. But other great ways to get protein in, you can do all sorts of beans or bean snacks. There are all sorts of pre-packaged things nowadays. Hummus is another one of my favorites. So that's great to dip some veggies in and it does have some carbohydrates, but you're also getting some extra protein there. You can also use things like string cheese, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese. A lot of those high protein dairy products make a great snack. Beef jerky, there's lots on the op market. Make sure that you're paying attention to how much carbohydrates are in a beef jerky. A lot of times they have a lot of sugar added to them. And then you can do edamame. That's a really great one. That's a fun one. And a lot of times kids will like that one, but adults too, no judgment. Edamames are fun to pop out of there. Hard-boiled eggs, that's a really uh, popular one. There's a lot of uh, products on the market now that also add protein. So Kodiak is a brand that makes like pancakes and waffles, and they add protein to that. You can also make your own pancakes or waffles and substitute some of the batter for your favorite protein powder. Super easy way to get more protein in, and you can use those as a snack or as a breakfast. You can eat them any time of the day. Another tip I really like is to take a Greek yogurt, a plain Greek yogurt, don't use vanilla or something, and add a dip mix to it, like French onion or sour cream and onion. So you have this really high protein yogurt, and then you've made it into a dip. So instead of using sour cream or something, now you have this high protein dip, and you can just dip some veggies in that. Great balanced snack, super easy to make. So those, I hope, are some good ideas of how to add some more protein in with real food and snacks. But one of my favorite strategies for my patients that I often will have them do, especially my plant-based patients who are struggling to get enough protein in, is to use protein bars or protein shakes. These are sources that are often much higher in protein than a lot of the things that we can eat otherwise. They're really convenient because 
You can just bring them anywhere with you. You can keep a stash of protein bars in your car, in your bag, in your office, at your house, and always have access to that. Same thing with shakes. You can either buy the powder or you can buy pre-made ones that are often a little more expensive, but some people like those more. One of the first things when you are looking for a protein bar that I recommend is that you really look at that nutrition label. There's a lot of different bars on the market. So there's granola bars. Those are going to be mostly grains like oats, and those are going to be mostly carbohydrates with a little bit of fat and usually added sugar. So very little protein in a granola bar. That's not what we want. There's also energy bars. So if you're watching my video on YouTube, you'll see me holding up probably one of the most popular energy bars of all time. The Cliff Bar. Nothing against Cliff Bars. They're just not a protein bar. A Cliff Bar is for people who are doing really long amounts of activity. So if you see something that's labeled as an energy bar, that is different. That's for people who need a lot of energy packed into something small. Energy is the same thing as calories. And so this tiny little Cliff Bar has 260 calories. It does have nine grams of protein. So it has some protein, but it has 42 grams of carbs. So it's a higher carb food. And if you are hiking for six hours or climbing a wall for four hours or running a marathon, something like this is a really convenient way to get a lot of nutrition. But if you are trying to lose or maintain weight, an energy bar is not working in your favor because it's a lot of simple carbohydrates. So this is really when you're doing really large amount of exercise, several hours of exercise, you need something really convenient you can keep in a backpack or a pocket to eat. It's not a protein bar. So nothing against it, just not a protein bar. But then we have a protein bar. I'm showing you my current favorite, which is an Aloha bar. And this is something that's going to be more focused on having protein in it. The Aloha bars actually have a little more carbohydrates than some of the other options on the market, but they're my current favorite. So it depends how low carb you're trying to get with your diet. So this guy has 240 calories, so a little bit less, but it has 14 grams of protein. So double the amount. And then this one has 25 total carbs, but 10 of them are fiber. So 15 net carbs, if you like to play that game. So very different sort of products. And this is on the higher carb inside of protein bars. You can find lots of protein bars like Quest bars, the Kirkland bars from Costco, a lot of my patients like that are almost entirely pure protein. So those can be great options. Some of my other favorites are the Think Thin bars, or I think they're just called Think bars now, pure protein bars, premier protein bars, Orgain makes a plant-based protein bar, protein quest bars, lots of great protein bars out there. But what you really want to do is look at that nutrition label and see how many grams of carbohydrates are there and how many grams of protein are there. And you want there to be a lot of protein. That's your goal. And as little sort of carbohydrates as possible, depending on your goals. Same thing with the protein shake. Make sure you look at that nutrition label, see how much carbohydrates, see how much added sugar is in that, and make sure it's fitting in with your individual goals. But I find that a protein bar or shake for one meal or snack a day is a great substitute for many of my patients, a way to stay full, have a super convenient meal, and get an extra serving of protein in. So it might be something you want to experiment with. You can also buy bulk protein powder, whether that's whey, whether that's pea protein, whether that's brown rice protein, and you can add it to things. So we talked about adding that to pancakes or waffles when you make that. You can add it to muffins. You can actually substitute all of the flour in a muffin recipe for whey protein powder and make protein muffins. 
You can add protein powder to say oatmeal in the morning if you're trying to get some more protein in that way. And of course, people love to add protein powder to smoothies. Again, just make sure you're not making your total calorie goal too high with those smoothies, but protein can be added lots of places. Again, it's going to help build muscle, stabilize your blood sugar, and is uh, really very important in most processes when you're trying to lose and maintain weight to get enough of that protein in. All right. That was a lot of information about protein today. So we haven't had a homework assignment in a while because we've had a lot of guests recently, but your homework today is to count how much protein you're eating. You don't know if you don't know, right? And my guess is most of you are below that goal. If you are not intentionally trying to eat a lot of protein, it's really hard to hit these protein goals. So what you're shooting for is somewhere close to 100 grams of protein a day. That's a nice round number. You can calculate and try to get to one gram per kilogram of your weight or 1.2 grams of protein per kilogram of your weight, or you can also log your all your calories, all your food and protein, and make sure you're hitting at least 30% of your calorie goal coming from protein. So that's your homework today. Log how much protein you're eating, because if you don't know, you don't know, and see what happens if you eat protein more consistently throughout the day. Do you feel more full and satisfied? Do you have less of those bonks? And be patient when you are doing this, because it can be hard to increase protein. What you'll find when you log is that Again, protein tends to bring either fat or carbohydrates with it. There's not that many sources of pure protein. And so it may mean that you have to push other things out of your diet to make room for these new higher protein, more balanced foods. But that's okay. That's part of the process here. So log, see where you're at, and share your favorite protein sources with us. We'd love to hear them. All right. Until next week, take care. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Frank Avila Show, where we learn about all things related to weight and health. If you love this podcast, make sure to leave those five-star reviews and share this podcast with a friend or loved one. If you have a topic about weight and health you want me to tackle, head over to the website, thedrfrankavillashow.com to submit your question. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode. Take care.